Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. So hi everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we are um, in the middle of a beautiful Sunday full of sun, and we are going to speak about Chinuch, uh, about accepting the Torah, about our connection, and Chassidus. How can we use Chassidus to enhance our connection? And I thought a lot about what, um, how can we combine everything, uh, the children as being guarantors before Shavuos, um, how are we enhancing that uh, job that they have to be those guarantors? Um, are we connected and able to give that connection? Because in order to, to be able to give over something, you have to do it well yourself or know it well enough to be able to give it over. So my, my approach to Chinuch, and I, you know, I don't have as much experience as, as many people that I know, but from the years that I've been in Chinuch, I learned that um, if you want to give over something, you have to do it yourself and you have to do it happily. Or else if you're not doing it happily and you don't love what you're doing, somebody else watching you and children watch us all the time, they're not going to, it's not going to sink by them. It's not going to, like, they're not going to grab it because it's going to seem to them like, it's something out of reach or something that they don't want because our parents don't like doing it. And we spoke about it last year a little bit. I touched about this subject in many different stories. So I wanna bring a story that I use for a different context, but I wanted to take a specific um, message from that story for us. And from that, I'll develop this idea of why um, approaching Chinuch approaching through Hasidus is so important. And also why is it important that we do what we do with love and that our connection with Hashem and with the Torah and its laws is always in check and it's not um, loose. Uh, you know, just like um, I had this ring and the, the, the thing that was holding the stone was getting a little loose. I'm like, nah, it's fine. And then I was like walking another day, two days, three days, eventually it knocked on something and the whole stone came off. So when you see something coming loose, don't wait for it to break. Um, you know, take care of it at that minute. And that's, um, that's something important about our connection with Hashem. And it sometimes happens like very little that we don't realize that our connection is becoming um, a habit and it's not coming from a genuine place. We're not working on it enough. So it, it's not always going to be there if you don't work on it. You have to work on it. You have to enhance it. You have to make it happy. And you have to always check with yourself, why am I doing this? And if I'm not happy doing it, why is that? What's happening to me? And you have to take a few minutes and stop and ask these questions. And if your answers are weary and they're not definite good answers, then you need to do something about it in order to be able to give it over to, to your children, to your family, and in order to also be a happy person. So there was a nice story about this lady that um, had a, a, a lot of children in the house and she and her husband were working very hard and they were really, really good parents. And um, her son went off the derech and she really, really had a very hard time and she couldn't concentrate and um, she didn't know what to do with it. And she did all the, all the things that she thought would help the situation and it made it worse. Her son um, went out of the house. He went to live in the city with his friends and he just didn't, he was, that's it. He, he found a new path. And she was devastated. She couldn't function as a mother. She couldn't function as a wife. She was really, really devastated. So she wrote to the Rebbe and she eventually also went to see him. And the Rebbe told her this way. He said, right now, put the situation with your son aside. Your household, what's going on there? He said, make Shabbos special in your house. So this is what she did. She really took the Rebbe's advice. She thought, sat down in her kitchen. She thought, what am I going to do? She decided that for Shabbos, she's going to make something that every one of the children likes. So she asked all the children what they want for Shabbos for a Shabbos meal. And she asked her husband and she made sure that on Friday, she took some time off. She made sure the table was beautiful, extra gorgeous, as if it was a holiday. She made beautiful, beautiful table, beautiful white tablecloth, beautiful dishes. Everything was extremely nice. She made every child what they wanted. She put their name next to it and she put a little note that she loves them and Shabbat Shalom. And she did that for her husband also. And they had, the, she reported later that they had the most amazing Shabbos meal. She said they were all connecting. 
Each one of the children got to speak and say something about their week, about how they feel. Her husband got to share a little bit and they enjoyed the Shabbos meal so much that her husband participated the next Shabbos. He also took off some time from work. During the week, he worked a little bit more and he decided to come home earlier on Friday. He prepared a Dvar Torah. They had another beautiful Shabbos meal. And this was going on for like three, four weeks. And all of a sudden, her son calls the house and he wants to speak with the siblings. And they speak. And the siblings tell him excitingly, you know, Shabbos is so nice in our house. Mommy and daddy love us. You don't understand. It's so fun. And they're like raving about Shabbos. And he's like starting to be intrigued. What's going on? He calls the next week. They tell him the same thing. You don't understand. We have so much, so much fun. And the whole house becomes very happy over this mitzvah of Shabbos. And every week, everyone waits for Shabbos. It's so fun in the house. And it becomes like a very joyful place because it, it, it became from a very uh, sad place where one of the children left the house to a very happy place to be. So they eventually, um, the son decides to come on a Friday night and he comes to the house. He wants to see what's happening. He wants to be part of it. So he joins in the table and um, he's like shocked. He couldn't believe it. And he didn't stay to sleep. But he came again the next Friday. And then that Friday, he stayed to sleep over. And shortly after, he just moved back home. And the mother couldn't believe it. She didn't do anything extra for that specific situation. All she did was observe Shabbos, was do one mitzvah that Hashem asked us to do with all her heart. And she made it very special for everyone around her because she took it very seriously. And what I thought about is, what what happened here so she listened to the rebbe and the rebbe told her like get yourself out of the situation for a minute and do something that hashem asked you to do and she started to do a mitzvah fully and by doing it she started to connect also to her own torah observance to her own connection to hashem to her own happiness and by doing that everything around her fixed itself so it was very special and i felt like this is what happens with with our connection. When we put time and effort into something and we really, really like take a minute to think and do it properly and take a step back and it's okay to take a step back. You know, sometimes I find myself also in situations where like, you know, why do I need to breathe for five minutes before I'm doing this activity? This is something I'm supposed to be happy doing. If I need to breathe through the activity and I need to like gather strength, then maybe I need to take a step back and work on my own connection and enthusiasm and see why is it so hard for me at this minute? What is getting loose in my connection that I need to take that step back? And by doing what she did, by starting to connect to Shabbos, she started to work on her own connection. She started to enjoy the mitzvah of Shabbos. She started to enjoy being Jewish and, and having a day of rest. And through that, everything in her life fixed itself up. Because the energy that she gave everyone else was, we love Shabbos in our house. And even her son, that was just, didn't find any happiness in it, wanted to be part of it. He felt it. She didn't have to speak to him. She didn't have to beg him to come back home. He chose to do it on his own. And this is very profound when we talk about how we run our household, um, how we educate our children. Are we happy doing what we're doing? Is our connection strong enough to say that we're doing it and we're really doing it happily are we rushing through things or are we taking the time to maybe do it with our children so yeah so we'll make a little mess but if we do it with the kids and like you're making challah and you're making challah with the kids or you're um new dishes and are you taking your kids with you so they could see what you're doing like all these things are very important um, you know, are we, are we making brachas from all our heart are we understanding how lucky we are that Hashem is giving us what we have are we kissing the mezuzah, understanding how profound it is that we have such a protection? So if we're doing it with happiness and love, our children will just do that. And the way I learned it is because I started to um, direct preschools. And um, because I'm a bala chuva, everything for me was new in the beginning. So when I do something, I question it all the time. Like, like, like am, I, am, I, am I doing it because I really want to do it? Um, do I need to improve something about it? So when I'm doing something, I always do it with a lot of happiness. I make a point to do it with a lot of happiness. And I see that sometimes I don't need to tell the kids just the fact 
that I'm doing it happily, the kids are doing it after me happily. Like it happened this uh, week that I was making cheesecake with the kids. And recently I, I came to this new preschool and I started to teach the kids how to make challah, like literally from scratch, not just doing a frashat challah, really, really making the challah with me. And the kids love making challah. So I come on Monday morning and they're like, Marshall, are we making challah today? I'm like, no, 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 we're not making challah today. We're going to make challah on Thursday. So Tuesday, the same drill. Shelly, are we making challah today? They're going outside. They see me outside and they're, Shelly, are we making challah today? And every minute is, are we making challah? And I realized that it really, um, the kids really connected to this idea of challah because I love it so much. So they also love it so much. And then when we were making cheesecake, so that one of the girls, I was showing her the crust. So we're making it from like cookies. And she's like, why are we not using challah dough? And I'm like, we're going to make something different. We're going to make cheesecake. She's like, but no, I want challah dough. And she was like really crying for it. And I realized that, you know, when you do something with love, the children also do it with love. I go around the school, for example, and I do brachas with the kids. And I say, why are we making brachas? I'm asking them these questions. Think about it. And, and then after we make the bracha, I say, thank you, Hashem, for all the things that you're giving to us, for our moras and for our classroom and for our toys. So they can really understand this, this. Why are we thinking every minute? It's not a given that we have all these things. And, and a few of the mothers reported to me that the kids are doing the brachas at home and they, they, they want to know how to do it right. What kind of bracha do I do in this? And they want to make sure that they know how to say it. So when you are doing it with love and in happiness and you understand what you're doing, you're influencing your environment in the same kind of way. So there is a very nice letter that the Rebbe wrote about Chinuch. Ah, you see, our first guarantor is screaming and yelling. He wants to learn Torah. <laughs> like, wow, I'm a guarantor. Yes, you are. And by the way, like, why are our children our guarantors? Because children ask questions. You know how these are, but why mommy? But why? But more, why do we have to do this? But, so it gets you also to think, why are we really doing it? Maybe the, and then you're giving them an answer. It's like, but why? So you're like, maybe this answer is not good enough. Maybe I really need to think like, why are we, you know, doing it? So the fact that children question and ask and also um, truly their neshama is very pure. So they connect to things very easily. If you tell them to say amen, they'll just say amen. They believe in it 100%. So, so there's something also to learn from the children. So they are guarantors because they ask questions, but they're also the guarantors because they're purely believing in Yiddishkeit, they purely believe in Hashem and they purely see things beyond what we see. Um, the kids don't have any, uh, maybe I should do this because it, it's going to get me somewhere. They don't have these calculations. And this is why they're the best guarantors because they accept the Torah for what it is. And it teaches us something about how to observe Torah and mitzvahs. So the Rebbe, um, there was a sicha about chinuch of little children in the Kutesh Sichot 15 in Vayera, and it's on page 129. And I could also give you a copy of it. It's very, very beautiful. And there was a letter uh, that the Rebbe wrote, um, and he wrote it to him. Um, it's, it's specifically to give parents directives how to raise children. So um, I don't know, did you ever uh, encounter this letter about chinuch? It's a very nice letter. You'll see, it gives like three or four directives about chinuch that really to take in consideration when teaching and also at home. So uh, they don't say who it is for, but it was somebody from Cleveland, Ohio. And he says, greeting and blessings. I am in receipt of your letter and I'll remember you in prayer and fulfillment of your heart's desires for good. With regard to the problem of how to deal with your oldest daughter, this is like, after, um, like a Shayla, he said, like a question, should be discussed with a competent and experienced Rob to whom you could give all the necessary details and who would advise you what to do. Furthermore, a Rav is bound to confidence, and therefore you could discuss the situation with him quite frankly. As for asking for some guidance, I might, I might be, uh, I must be quite candid with you, even though this may be somewhat painful. But I have no choice in the matter, for this is my duty to mention it, even though just briefly. Bringing up children requires of Jewish parents several basic principles. Firstly, and this is, I found something very, very interesting that parents must always provide a shining example for their children of the kind of conduct that they would like to see in them. Moreover, children usually think that in, in as far as they're concerned, it would be quite sufficient for them to have the standards, which would be quite sufficient. Um, sorry, they, they're repeating it twice, but meaning that, that they should be half of as good as their parents. 
So if you want your children to be as good as you are now, you have to be twice as good as yourself. So basically you have to really, really try. Yeah, no pressure at all. But, but and, and this is why the Rebbe said, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm gonna say a few harsh things because it's hard. It's, it's very hard. And this is where we have to do work on ourselves. Do we learn? Do we read anything? Do we inspire ourselves? And if you don't, you have to stop and do it. You can never give if you don't get, give something to yourself. In order to, to when, can a, when can a cup be full? When, when you actually fill it up, you have to fill yourself, yourself up in order for your children to, to, to be even just a little bit of what you are. And because children think that way, that they don't have to be as good as you, you want to strive to be even a little bit higher than what you wished you could be. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard point to, to swallow, but it's important. And uh, a further point, he says, that it is essential that it is necessary also to take into account the strong pressure and influences to which children are constantly exposed to in school and in the neighborhoods where they live and raised, where they're lived and raised, and where such influences are negative on the child because they, um, so basically what he's saying is, is that children are influenced by the environment and we have to make sure that we give them enough dosage of, of Torah influence of goodness that it could be, it's just like immunity. Like you're giving them a vaccination against negative surroundings. So when your house is a, a protective place, when you're giving them um, answers to their questions, when you're living an example, and sometimes also living an example is not running away from influences that you see. You show how you conduct yourself under these influences. It's very, very important. So um, for example, um, uh, like I, I have like a, 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 one of my programs, I have mixed ages of kids. And the older kids found a way to kind of get out of the group for a little while. They're, they're praying, okay. But they're not praying with everyone else because it's noisy. So they decided that the little kids make a lot of noise and they can't pray. So they're finding another spot. And then one day I find them outside in the, in the yard and they're like holding their sitter and they're sitting on the, on the swings and they're swinging. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not how we do it. So, so I was explaining to them that, 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 in order to really, for the davening, to make an effect on you and to be able to really have a connection, you have to like isolate yourself from the situation a little bit. And you can't be playing and also davening. It's two different things and they have two different purposes. So um, I explained it to them. And then I saw that one of the girls, like weeks later, I don't like say too much. I say a little bit and get them to think about it. And then I saw that this week, one of the girls, for example, she was, it was a little bit noisy, but she, she davened and she chose to disregard the little noises around her. And the reason is, is because I was showing them through the, the, the few weeks that we, that we had after that, that just because there's a lot of distraction doesn't mean that you can make a little bit of an effort to connect. So you do whatever you could do. Yes, it's not a perfect ideal situation. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Maybe you don't have a full hour to do the full davening. Maybe you don't have a full hour to read the whole sicha. So start the sicha today and finish it next month, but it'll give you something. It'll give you something to, to think about and something to get out of the house with and something also to share with others. And when that light touches you, you touch others. And this is really what I try to teach the children. This is what we need to teach ourselves. So we have to give children the immunity and the ability to be able to, to, to handle things. So, so yeah, it could be that they have uh, kids that are not religious around them and that are saying, but, but instead of that influencing them, they should influence their environment. So be proactive and change. So let's just say, for example, you see someone outside and you see that they're not religious and it's maybe harder for them. Next to your child, invite them for a Shabbos meal. Show them that we are loving and accepting and we want to help another person reach the connection that we have. And your children watching you do this over and over and over again, it'll become a part of them. So instead of, of them, bless you, instead of them downgrading themselves and their own connection, they'll think of ways, how can they help other people connect? 
And um, even by not being too judgmental and explaining to children that some people live this way and some people live, live that way. And we daven and pray for other people to be able to have that clarity and, and to, be able to, to, to be able to also have a meaningful connection to Hashem. So all these things are very important. And when you are less scared of the things around you and you're, and you're showing children that you know how to deal with these things outside of the house or in the house, um, they will appreciate that and they will grow up understanding that, living that, and you will be a happier parent because you will know that you can trust your child even when they're not in a, maybe not in a safe place as you wish they would be. And, and that's very important. And then he says a third point, um, that it's very important that children will have, um, will have um, the pride of, of the, the, the heritage of, of being Jewish, that they will understand that being Jewish is profound. Um, somebody shared a very beautiful story in the Chabad house on Shabbos. There were a few visitors and they shared amazing stories. One of the story was, um, was, very, was very nice and they, they spoke about a person that, um, uh, it's a very, very long story and it's a complex story. They spoke about um, this uh, mother that had a sick child and uh, this ch sick child um, was like having very high fever. And I'm talking about many years ago, maybe a little bit after the time of the Baal Shem Tov. It, it was really many, many years ago in the times where we had like rabbis and sages that were able to see things and, and were connected to everything around them. It, it's, very, uh, it's very rare to, to see today. Um, you know, it, it was like the, like in the, in the level of the rebellion and um, this child was sick and the mother fell asleep next to the, next to the child in the hospital. And the child was having very high fever. And all of a sudden she wakes up and she sees somebody giving her child uh, something to drink, like some medicine or something. And she was like, who is this person? And, 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 you know, where did he come from? And she was like, got so scared. She started to scream and the person ran away. And then this, um, and this was uh, said by uh, one of the Chabad um, uh, visitors that was there. And he said that he took the story from um, uh, a book that the, like the Rebbe approved that the stories are really real. It's not like a made up story. So um, he said that the mother was very scared and she went to the, to the town's Rav and he told her to, um, and he told her, go and check if your child is feeling better. And she went home and she said, yes, the, the fever all of a sudden just started to go down. So he told his uh, shamish to go to the, to the graveyard. And she said, there's a specific grave. He said, knock on the grave and tell the, the neshama that I'm inviting them for a din Torah. And, um, and the rabbi speaks to the, to the neshama of this, uh, of this person. And this person tells him that um, when he was a young child, he um, was Jewish, and he, but he was uh, in a, in a, like, raised in a non-Jewish place. And he was in the army. And everyone among him, amongst him, like were not Jewish, and he only knew that he was Jewish. He didn't do nothing about his Judaism. And one day they went to a neighboring town to to get some beer and to to hang out with the friends. And he says that um, they saw this Jewish man. He looked poor, and he was like walking around. And he they decided to rob him. And he he looked like like nobody knows him. Like he looked like very lost because they're like some simple person. So they decided to rob him. And then they said, no, but maybe he'll go and tell our commander. We have to be very careful. He said, let's kill him and nobody will know. So they decide to hang him. And now they all hang him. And then he's standing there. He's like, they're hanging a Jewish man. I'm Jewish. Is this okay? Like he said, like how, to what extent can I let this go? So he waits until his friends leave and he takes down the guy and he saves him and he tells him run away. Now they all go back and the commander is asking, where's your friend? And he didn't go back. So when he comes back, he tells him some excuse, but the friends realized something was wrong. They went back to where the, the guy, where they hanged the guy and they realized that he let him free. So they come back and they kill this young, their friend, they kill him. He just saved this Jewish man, but he gets killed. So um, his, his neshama goes, goes to, to Shemaim and they're coming to judge him. So they said, this, this man didn't do anything for uh, anything Jewish in his life. He didn't do any mitzvah, any nothing. And another voice comes and said, no, he saved the Jewish man. And because, this, this, because he saved the Jewish man, they gave him the merit to come down and save little children. So when they're sick or not feeling well, his neshama comes down and is able to heal them. So why did I say this story? 
the story is more about you saved one neshama in Israel, you can save many more. Why? Because in the merit of him saving one Jewish man, he was allowed to come down and save many Jewish neshamas. So that's one, one thing. But why did I say this? This idea of Jewish pride, that he understood that you see, a, come on, I didn't do anything my whole life, but I'm Jewish. To what extent will I let another Jewish person get hurt? And he, and he lost his life doing that. He knew that he would get in trouble in some kind of way. And he didn't know maybe that it would be to this level, but, but just this idea of having Jewish pride and how important it is that we tell Jewish children that we are proud to be Jewish, that Hashem chose us to be his nation and how profound that is. Um, this week's Parsha, um, Bamidbar, was beautiful and how the Jewish people with all the flags and all the different tribes, it was beautiful. So this week I, I was like sitting with the children and even as I was teaching them about the flags, I was in awe. What a beautiful flag each tribe had. What a, what a heritage we have. And when the Jewish people were walking, all the other nations were so jealous. They would tell them, come and live among us. We're going to give you respect. And they said, you cannot give us the respect that Hashem gives us. And what was in the middle of all the flags? What was in the middle of all the tribes? Each tribe was, was in the middle of the Mishkan. The Mishkan was the middle. Why? Because this is what centers us. A Jewish person needs the Torah. A Jewish person needs that connection. And if we really, really put time and effort into that connection, then we can transfer that to children. But if we are not having the Mishkan in the middle of our home, if we don't have the Mishkan in mind every single day and every single morning, if we don't talk to Hashem or, or connect to Him, then how can we give that to children? We cannot. We're gonna, they're going to learn it on the surface, but the minute they get a chance, they say, this is a burden. We don't want this. We have to really understand what Hashem wants from us. What is our job in this world? How do we use Torah and mitzvahs to do our job in the world? And when we really do that job, when we really live it, then we are happy. Um, there was a, a really, there's a very nice book. It's a, it's a book in Hebrew. It's called Muda'ut Veterapia. It's like, um, it's by Esther Meiflish. Uh, I think she, she uh, used to live here and she lives in Kfar Chabad. It's a really, really beautiful book. If you read Hebrew, I really recommend it. Um, if you don't, I, I always think they have, so basically, um, what is she talking about in the book? She talks about once you're aware of something, you can work on it and you can heal. But if you don't have that awareness, you cannot heal. So um, basically, she brings a lot of very beautiful stories that help you um, understand your own situation and what you need to understand from it. What can you, so let me give you an example. There was one story when I first got the book, I read a beautiful story about the Baal Shem Tov. And we know the Baal Shem Tov is a completely righteous neshama. It's, it's, it's not, you can't even, you can't say anything about the Baal Shem Tov. But, but the Baal Shem Tov, like meaning only good things. I'm sorry. Sometimes I, because I'm Hebrew speaking, I, I translate from Hebrew to English. It doesn't always work. <laughs> you have to add another. <laughs> You're only allowed to say good things about the Baal Shem Tov. But meaning you can't say anything negative about the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov knew everything about everything. And he taught us uh, kindness. And, and, and he also showed us that a leader... Um, can also do little things. For example, the Baal Shem Tov was Ozer Melamed. Like he was the helper of the teacher. He used to go to the houses, take the children, bring them to school, bring them back to the house, do Shema with them and put them to sleep. Can you imagine the Baal Shem Tov? He solved so many problems for people. He, he knew everything. The Baal Shem Tov was, it was like, it, it, how... Yeah, it's like, you know, and, and he used to, to teach little children, take them to school, bring them back. You would say it's a waste of time, but no. The Baal Shem Tov was teaching us something. What is he teaching us? Do it yourself. Don't leave it for somebody else to do it. Yes, we send our kids to school, but do it yourself at home also. Are you saying Shema before you go to sleep? Are you kissing the mezuzah? Where are you with all these things? So if it's overwhelming, 
do one or two things that you can do right and transfer these things to the children. I did not live in a religious home, but my father used to put on tefillin and he used to give tzedakah. And his thing was kindness. So he always said, did you give tzedakah? Did you give tzedakah? And I didn't grow up in a home that they taught me to give tzedakah every day, but I know this word tzedakah from him. Give tzedakah, give from yourself. Remember that you are Hashem's child. You first put tefillin. So for women, it's something else. But you, that concept of being Jewish and proud to be Jewish, I got from the little that he did do. And from the little that he did do, I, 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 I run my, my life in a completely different way because I had such a sweet memory of him always saying these things. And that really made a big impression on me. And it reminds me also about, um, and I mentioned it in a previous talk about Rabbi Sachs, when he said that he lived in a time where, the, where they had to hide their Jewishness. And his father made sure that he wears his kippah when they left shul or when they walked in the street. And when people used to tell him anything, used to say, my son will wear a kippah wherever we are. No son of mine will ever take his kippah off. And people who are proud to be Jewish and proud of the Yiddishkeit and understand why they're keeping it, other people respect it. And they treat that, they treat us in the level that we should be treated. And that's very important. And now I'm going back to the Baal Shem Tov story. Why did I bring the story up? Because the Baal Shem Tov once saw someone who didn't keep Shabbos, who broke Shabbos. And he, the Baal Shem Tov taught us that everything you see in here there's a directive in your work. There must be something connected to you. And he said to himself, why did I have to see somebody that broke Shabbos? Why did I have to see this? Out of all the people in the world, I had to see something like this. Did I ever break Shabbos? So the Baal Shem Tov thought and thought and thought. And he remembered that one time he was in a situation where a Talmid Chacham was insulted. And when this Talmid Chacham was insulted, he did not protect him. And when a Talmid Chacham is insulted and you do not help him, it's like he broke Shabbos. And this is what the Baal Shem Tov realized. And, and what, what did the Baal Shem Tov do? And why did I bring this story up? Even the Baal Shem Tov was checking himself all the time. All the time. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to check yourself all the time. And the great sages are teaching us this. Our Rabbeim are teaching us this. If you see something and hear something, why did Hashem bring this my way? What did I need to learn right now in my own avoda? And that's very, very profound. If our, bless you, if our child says something, why did this, our child just say that to us? Think, maybe there is something good that we're doing. Continue doing it, enhance it. Maybe there's something lacking. Enhance that, you know, like, like, think about it. What can I change? What can I bring into the situation? And always think about that story where the mother made that change and started to keep Shabbos so beautifully that it affected everyone in the house, her husband, the children, the child that left the house. And we also have to understand that um, not every person has the same kind of work to do. It was a very beautiful story here that I read a while back, and I, it was, so I don't, I didn't remember all the names, but I remember the, the, the main message of the stories that each person has a specific, uh, through the work that they do in this world, this is their, how they connect to Hashem, and this is what they need to concentrate on. So there was Rabbi Pinchas from Koritz and Rabbi Leib, and both of them were, were two different, two different tzaddikim. Yeah. Um, Rabbi Pinchas um, uh, was, uh, was, was a very respectable rabbi in his town. And Rabbi Leib was not in one place. He didn't have one place of living. He would go from town to town, from town to town and teaching people. And, um, and Rabbi Pinchas had a more prestige job. Everyone knew him. Um, everyone used to say, um, everyone used to say maybe, um, you know, he's such an amazing rabbi. He's so, he's changed my life. And Rabbi Leib, and Rabbi Leib, um, you know, by the way, I, when children cry, it teaches us so much. It's, you know, sometimes like, you know, if it's hard for you, talk to Hashem, bother him. 
because because like who do you like in school if i have a child that's crying all day there's a there's a cute kid she's adorable and she she doesn't have language yet and it's very hard for her and everything she wants like ah! she's crying and we all run and say what does she need like we're trying to figure out what does she need so this is how we need to if something is hard for us we need to bother hashem to help us and it's okay to ask hashem help me to do this and this I'm struggling with it. I don't know how to do it. Help me. Open the path for me that I should be able to do it. Send the right people into my life that will help me in this avoda that you've given me in this world. So, so we can dive in from a sitter, but we can also talk to Hashem and ask him for guidance and for help. That's okay. And, um, and so the, the point is of, of the story was that um, they said about Rabbi Leib that he was like a worm going like like trying like trying to dig in the in the dirt and to find its destination and why why did they um compare him to a worm because a worm is humble it's 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 something very humble it works hard it's trying to figure its way it doesn't really know but in the way it's doing a lot of things it's 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 making a, a um a, like a, not a well but it's making a path while it's walking for others so Rabbi Leib, as he was going from place to place, he was teaching a lot of Yid and Yiddishkeit and he was enhancing their life. And he, this was his job. This was his job to reach different people in many different places. And Rabbi Pinchas, his job was to keep that community that he was working in, in, in intact and to make sure that these people have children and grandchildren that keep Torah and mitzvahs. And his job was to be there for them. So each one of us has a different job in the world. And we have to see why we have this specific job. What, what do we need to do in order to do this job properly? And that, if somebody wants to say something, you know, it's, it's a Fabringen. It's a, you know, we're, we're receiving the Torah. It was like the first time that we were all like in unison, like meaning we were connected. And this is the time to, to also, you know, speak up, say what you think. Maybe you can also, we can challenge certain, certain problems and thinking and ideas that we have and find ways to, to change them, deal with them. Anything? I'll have a question. Um, so obviously, you know, we, like all these points that we're saying, should influence our children. At the same time, our children do have days where they seem like super inspired or even moments in one day they can have a moment when they're super inspired to do not for and say a bracha and there are some and they could be like I'm not saying a bracha or I'm not washing caramel tea but like at the end of the day like you want to force mitzvahs and like you want to be like 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 is it best that you would do differently like it's your choice of what a shaman wants but like you're your own person it's your choice to do it. So I, what I would suggest is I would first um, um, consider the child's feelings and, and, and give, like, uh, give comfort. You know, also mommy has sometimes hard time to, to say a bracha. I, I don't always remember or, or sometimes even you remind me when you make a bracha. Um, or, you know, sometimes I also don't feel like, like doing this and that, whatever they're struggling with. Um, and you could say, so it's okay. Maybe later you'll feel like doing it and Hashem will be so happy. And Hashem loves you regardless. And I love you regardless, you know? And just um, give space to their feeling and um, acknowledge that it's, that it's okay that mommy and, and daddy or, and, or tati, whatever your children like refer to, also have a hard time. And you can even share a story that you were a child or whatever, you know, and make it very real for them. And it's okay. And look, the Rebbe also says, speak to children a lot about with, through stories. For example, this week, I saw that it was very hard for the kids. Like the Parsha was, was a little bit, it wasn't so much story-like, you know? So what did I do? They liked this specific candy. So I took this candy and it had a lot of colors, which was really good, it was helpful. So I, I, I took a plate and I threw the candy on the plate. And I said, okay, this is the Mishkan. This is, um, and, and then I was telling them, this is the Shevet Levi. This is the, the rest of the Jewish people. This is Aaron. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. I was showing them through the, and they were all like, wow. They were all like, you know, so um, why did I say this? Because 
sometimes, let's just say a child is struggling. They don't want to make a bracha. So tell them a story about a child that made a bracha or someone that made a bracha. Because of that bracha, something happened. Or, and you don't have to tell them right away. Yes. Everyone is, yeah, yeah. They have very good stories. Yes. Yeah, even yeah, if it's yeah. not related to the parsha, sometimes I just look up the topic, like telling right. the truth, or, yeah, or staying strong, or whatever. You look up the the, the topic, yeah. you read the story of the book. You know, like, okay, kids love it. Love it. My nine-year-old, my ten-year-old sits with the sibling, and we read it. Also, also sometimes instead of lecturing children, you don't have to tell them anything. What you could do is you see they're struggling with something. Keep it in a drawer in your head. Find a nice story about it. Sit on Shabbos when you have a little bit of time. Bring something nice that they can munch on and tell them the story. And that story will get them to think. Yeah. So, so sometimes through the stories, and the Rebbe was very, he specifically wrote it in one of the messages here that children learn from stories. And children have this, this um, innate connection to Hashem. And they don't need too much. You tell them a little bit of something inspiring, they will understand. And this, that's the beauty of it. And through searching what to teach your children, you will get inspired. I learn because I need to talk to children. So I have no choice. I have to read stories. I have to, I have to like find ways to inspire them. And I get inspired myself. And, and this is how, you know, it's, this is why Hashem, the, said the children are the guarantors. He was happy with the children being guarantors because in order to educate children, we have to educate ourselves. And we have to find connections ourselves in order to be able to give over that connection. And the Rebbe also speaks about many different things like teaching children the value of time, don't waste time, the value of kibud avem, of respecting you and respecting what you have at home. So when they don't want to do something at a specific time, you know that they're not wanting to do it because they're just struggling with it, but they're not, not doing it because they want to disrespect you. And, and when they, you teach them, you, when you respect your own parents and they see it, it's important. You're going to visit your parents, take them with you. I go to visit seniors. I take children with me. Some of the children that I teach, I offer the parents, do you want me to teach your child with me to visit a senior? to visit the, the senior center, to do Kabbalah Shabbat with them. The children should understand that we need to respect someone older than us. And then when they don't want to do something, not because they're disrespecting you specifically, it's because they're just struggling with it and we need to help them find a, a resolution with that. And it could be, let's just say that they have, um, let's just say some, in some areas, children might be in schools and in places that um, not everyone is in the same level as your household. And they could see another um, child not doing something and they'll be embarrassed to say a brach over their food or something like that. And you need to enhance that in them so they feel proud. So like I said in the beginning, that they'll be able to influence another child. There's that beautiful story, and I don't remember if I ever said it before, about this little child. Um, did I ever say the story about the child lighting Shabbos candles? Um, there was a little child in the neighborhood. Um, the Rebbe brought up the story is very beautiful that um, uh, that one child can change a whole family and a whole, you know, uh, this one child that goes to a Chabad preschool um, was playing outside with a girl that was not going to a Chabad preschool. And she was telling her that I light Chavez candles. And the other girl hears this and she comes home. She says, I want to light Chavez candles. She tells her mother, I want to light Shabbos candle and, the, and they're not religious at home. The mother's like, you're not lighting a Shabbos candle. And then she goes back and, and, and she says to the mother, yes, I am lighting Shabbos candle. Well, and she gives a big tantrum and the mother lets her light Shabbos candle. And then the week after she does the same thing. And now the mother feels uncomfortable. They're lighting Shabbos candle, but she's cooking and she's not dressed well for Shabbos and everyone. So she, they stopped cooking and, and, and changing, like, like shutting on, turning on the lights until she, the candles turn off. Then the next week after that, like, it's not nice. There's nothing on the table. They put a white tablecloth. Then the next week after she, the mother decides to dress nice, the week after she decides to cook for Shabbos, the, 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 every week something happened. And then one day this other girl tells her, 
my mommy lights Shabbos candles with me. Mommy's also light Shabbos candles. So the girl comes home and says, mommy's also light Shabbos candles. Why do light Shabbos candles with me? So she already, the girl won already the whole war. So she's already lighting Shabbos candle with her. And then later on, the father starts doing Kiddush and the whole family became religious years later. So from, from a child, instead of that child saying, I don't light Shabbos candles, why should you? This child had such a strong sense of self and such a proud in her Shabbos, like probably lighting Shabbos candles was fun. Maybe she got a treat for lighting Shabbos candles with her mom. Maybe it was a fun experience at home. And then mom sits with her and they read a story after. Make mitzvah special so the kids shine from them and they go outside telling the whole world, you don't do this, you should do it. You know, and this is how we bring light to the world. And this is how we inspire ourselves. And this is how we inspire children. And this is how we inspire people we invite to our home. And, and people sometimes just watch you and they say, I wouldn't be like this. You know, like, how do you do this? I said, come, we have to learn. Hasidus brings life into Torah. It takes something that's a written word and gives it life. It gives it meaning. It tells you how to use it. The Tanya, the Alter Rebbe gave us a very, very special gift. How to use what we read. What, how, how does this apply to me? I'm a simple person. No. So he says, no, you're not a simple person. You have Nishamayelokit. You are so special and important. Only you can do a specific job that Hashem gave you to do. And we have to remember that now. Now there's an energy in the world, the same as the day that we received the Torah. Now Hashem is telling us to wake up, get ready. I'm going to give you a special gift. Look at me smiling. <laughs> I'm going to give you a special gift that's going to help you be happy. That's going to help you to live a meaningful life. And how are you going to do it also? Together. We are a nation that each person, each part, each Shevet has a job, has something that only they could do. And when we work together, that's when we are whole. This is when we can receive the Torah, when we work together and we worry about others and we worry about our children and our environment and our community. And this is what it means to wake up. It means to check, sit down with yourself and what am I doing for myself? What am I doing for my child? What can I do for my neighbor? How can I do all these things together? Is there a way where I can find a way to do all these three things in one? Yes, by being an example, by taking a few minutes a day to learn something, to inspire yourself, then you inspire your child. Then when your neighbor comes and says, hey, good morning, and you share a Torah, you just inspired your neighbor. And this is just doing something kind, making something with your child for Shabbos and saying, let's go give it to the neighbor also. This is education. This is chinuch. This is Torah. Hashem, Hashem wants us to love. Yeah, he agrees 100%. Hashem wants us to love others and to show that to our children. And this is the, you know, this is like the basis of the Torah. The Torah, before we have all the laws, is we have to, we have to take, take from ourselves and give to others. Like the concept of Miser. And, and it's connected also to this idea of Hashem counting us and us giving machatzita shekel. And, and this is how we knew how many people. What? Maybe one more time. Yeah. Three of us here are taking the, the course of the office, whatever, the Shabbos, the and the Kashas, and the Kina. And today, the lesson that we learned today was Fiyach um, Al-Manas. Latvia. So... That's how it should. I learned several ones where it said that that's how it should be. That you should be so moist with Tara that to be able to transfer it to someone else in such a way. Yeah, that's amazing. You see, it's all connect. And again, we all have moments that you say, like, I can't do this. It's really hard for me. Why am I not connected when I'm doing something that's supposed to 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 connect me? So, like, I always take a step back and see where it started. Remember when I told you about my ring and the, the, the thing, the, 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 um, the stone that fell? It fell because one of the connections broke. 
So before it breaks, see it, feel it, see what's making it loose and strengthen it. And, and, and it's, it's really important. Sometimes it's not just about learning, it's also resting, sleeping enough, having all the, the things that you need in order to, to be whole. So it's, it's physical and it's spiritual, it's both. Just things to think about. <laughs> You're welcome. But um, but 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 really, I I really do suggest to get these books if you don't have them because they're the, the yeah the white edition yeah it's it's amazing it really is amazing it's 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 it's, it's so many stories you don't have to think you just open like you said like and just read. You, you'll and also educate yourself. Like, even the it's such beautiful. The stories are so beautiful. It's amazing. Like I love reading Pirkevot. You learn so much. Every little, every everything has a story. It's amazing. Ah, my son, like, I was like, no, we're gonna do the Mishnah to go first, and then we'll like whatever. I love it. It's amazing. They really made it like very kid friendly and um, yeah. And it, it, and you could see that a lot of work went to it. We need to use it. You know what I mean? It's like. Really? Oh, wow. We need to knock on his door. I know. <laughs> Every time I ask him to speak for us, he's going to respond. <laughs> he's probably too busy printing, though. <laughs> oh, really? Thank you for joining, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> he was so happy at the end. <laughs> it's amazing. His mom was getting bigger and bigger. I was like, Oh. <laughs>